Hello, everyone. This is JJ from the Keyword Crypto Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Daniel Krawitz. Daniel is a computer scientist and a content creator who's been invested in Bitcoin since 2011. He's got some rather unique views, and whether or not you agree with his theories, we talked about some things that we think are just really important to understand. This was a really long conversation, so we've broken it into two one-hour episodes. If you like this show, please support us by checking out our website at www.keyword-crypto.com. That's keyword-crypto. This show, so far, is entirely funded by donations, so your help really keeps us alive. You can donate by using the method of your choice. All the info is listed in the description below. If you want to help but you can't do it with money, then please just share us with your friends and post on social media. Lastly, we have a Discord group for people who want to learn more or just ask dumb questions. Hit us up on Twitter, at Keyword Crypto, and we'll give you the info on that. And with that, please enjoy the show. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the show right there. Every single time, it's my favorite part. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Keyword Crypto. I'm Michael, that's JJ, and we got a special guest. JJ, you want to introduce him? Today we have Daniel Krawitz. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an honor to have you on the show. So, um, let's see. I know you as a YouTuber, and you do a show called Bitcoin Stuff. What is your show about? Well, uh, when... Bitcoin was taken over by the cult. Um, I I understood from having read Bakhtin that uh, satire is the genre for a thought-controlled environment, and um, uh, I, I also needed to get new contacts in Bitcoin because all of my friends were mind controlled. So what I made a show that contains a demonstrated opportunity cost and um, proof of work in Bitcoin is an application of demonstrated opportunity cost. And so I, I made a show um, and well in, in Bitcoin uh, proof of work is a, a reason for for other miners to um, to uh, watch uh, watch the the miner that produced the block more closely, and it's it's a better reason the more proof of work there is, because on average, um, uh, the the ability to to hash is correlated with the ability to um, to to uh, uh, be sustainable. So if you see somebody with a, with a lot of hash power, there's uh, that that means that there's probably a lot of economic activity behind the scenes, right? So, uh, so my videos had uh, had demonstrated opportunity cost in the video, and that would be a a signal that uh, people would rationally want to look at similar to hash power. Uh, and um, uh, I made the show uh, in a way that uh, it, it challenges intelligence. Mm -hmm. So people who are too low on the IQ scale will not be able to sit through the I whole see. thing and uh, will not be able to understand what's going on in the show. Um, and I was inspired by the book Don Quixote because um, that's a book about the power of imagination. So what I wanted to, to talk about on the show was what, what, was, uh, what was missing from Bitcoin. So I wanted to present a, a vision of... Um, a successful Bitcoin rather than one where everybody, uh, everybody has been mind controlled. 
Okay, I feel like we could spend an entire episode just unpacking that yeah, one so, minute. Yeah, so, okay, so here's the thing. So, <laughs> when I watch your show, I don't feel like uh, I'm smart or I have a high IQ. I just feel like I'm hypnotized. Well, yeah, no, I use hypnosis on the show. So, <laughs> yes, many of my episodes contain <laughs> hypnosis. Right. Um, yeah, so that has to do with the idea that Bitcoin is a shared consciousness. So what I'm trying to do with that is cause all Bitcoiners to connect with the shared consciousness. So that's what's happening. That's what's happening during the hypnotic message. I mean, some of our listeners may have been hypnotized in that first minute where you were talking, actually, because <laughs> they may not have understood what you were talking about, but it sounded very intelligent <laughs> And therefore, they had to trust what you were saying. I mean, well, that's a danger of having to listen to somebody who um, is very smart. Well, and also <laughs> somebody who who uh, talks talks too much, <laughs> talks talks too much, talks too much stuff that's potentially nonsense. Can we can we go back to the the Bitcoin cult because? For anybody who's even kind of remotely into crypto, has been around for the last year, they're going to have the experience of Roger Ver calling Bitcoin Cash Bitcoin and calling Bitcoin Bitcoin Core. And so I wanted, I, I just want to get the lines of delineation of when you say Bitcoin cult, which, which chain are you specifically to, to referring to when you say that? I'm talking about the BTC cult. Okay. So what what happened is um, Blockstream is a company whose business model is based on being a parasite on Bitcoin. And um, instead of realizing that it is an inherently unsustainable company, people in BTC were indoctrinated to believe that the parasite was actually beneficial to Bitcoin. In, in what sense? Can you clarify in what, in, like, in, like in what sense? So what, what, do, what is Blockstream block trying to convince them that they're offering but is actually, in your, in your view, doing harm? I, 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 this is what I was getting kind of lost about. Their, Blockstream's business model is based on transaction fees that occur off-chain. Okay. So, okay. so Bitcoin Lightning, or so uh, Lightning Network, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're acting like a bank and kind of hoping that everybody will use Lightning so they can just keep raking in the transaction fees. I can see how that's that could be true. Because this this is this was my complaint about Lightning yeah. Network since the beginning is that it's so essentially yeah. the opposite of what Bitcoin is of if you're doing if the whole purpose of is security and you're doing everything off chain somebody has to eventually pay those fees anyway and so that's what I understand about the whole idea of if they're a bank and they're collecting fees if it's going to eventually go on the chain they're the ones who are going to be paying the fees. Are they just going to hope that the fees go down, or are they going to try to manipulate the system for a two-month period and push through other transactions during that time? Listen, I don't, I don't know enough about how the Lightning Network works to be able to say exactly what's going to happen. But ultimately, what what Blockstream means is that uh, they are going to that they're they're attempting to give people an alternative to the bitcoin blockchain so any any economic activity that um that would go through them is economic activity that has been siphoned off the blockchain and that's what bitcoin needs in order to be sustainable and um uh, fund, fundamental to the way that Bitcoin solves the Byzantine generals problem is proof of work. And um, 
the the Byzantine general's problem in Bitcoin doesn't doesn't only refer to uh, nodes. And really fast, really fast, what's the Byzantine just for our audience? Oh, the Byzantine general's problem. It means um, a, a, a the the nodes of a network starting from a, a um, an undetermined initial condition all arrive at a a permanent conclusion that is all agreed upon and all the same and um, this uh, this is a problem in computer science because um, uh, because uh, the, the the network can always change uh, more quickly than than you can know everything about it. So I, I do. I have a video called the Beaker, the Bunken, um, uh, the uh, Bunker. Uh, I don't remember the the one about the faulty node. But watch that one, and I go through the proof on um, why there there is no. A genuine solution to the Byzantine general's problem. So Bitcoin is a, a probabilistic solution to the Byzantine general's problem. The idea is that the Byzantium is being attacked and there's a group of generals and they all need to decide whether to attack or retreat at the same time. So if some of them attack and some of them retreat, that's no good. But if they all can do the same thing on the same day, then they're they're all good. Right. And the problem is adversarial communication because um, Byzantium may try to intercept messages and they might try to uh, create fake messages. And of course, the generals might disagree on what the best strategy is. So they might... Uh, they might have to argue for a while before they arrive at a conclusion. So what what Bitcoin says is that um, the uh, uh, the the highest uh, what what it says is is that we have a solution to the Byzantine general's problem that's probabilistic. So it becomes exponentially more difficult to um, replace the, the history that we have now, the, um, uh, the blockchain, right. as you go deeper into it. So uh, the, uh, the uh, I should say, te- technically, the, the Byzantine general's problem refers to a, a permanent... A solution, uh, but that's actually impossible. And in Bitcoin, we have a, a solution that uh, becomes so difficult to overturn so rapidly that it it might as well be a permanent solution. So, how, so then going back to the blockstream problem. Oh, okay. So let, let's go back to what the Byzantine generals mean in Bitcoin. Um, because you, they could, you, we could be thinking about um, the the nodes of the network, but I think it makes more sense to think about the Byzantine generals as simply being the uh, the users of of Bitcoin. So we're talking about a lot more people uh, than just the ones, well, potentially anyway, than than just the ones. Who are uh, who are running nodes? The miners. Because lots more people are going to be making transactions with SPV than than by running nodes. So think of all of the people in the world as being Byzantine generals because they're all going to be users of Bitcoin eventually, and um, uh. Where where was I going with this? Oh, and um, uh, the the only way they can see the 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 way the the kinds of uh, 
of statements that become uh, fixed. In other words, that they all they all agree upon uh, have to do with uh, where where their money went. So uh, when when one of them spends and somebody else receives it, the 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 fact that this transaction occurred eventually becomes agreed upon by the whole Bitcoin network. So those are those are the kinds of, of questions that, that we're talking about as far as what what needs to be resolved um, in the Byzantine generals uh, problem. Okay. And um, if the the block size is small, then you can't fit everybody on the blockchain. So um, that's not going to work. And uh, what whatever the Lightning Network is, and um, I, I have not read the Lightning Network white paper, and some people uh, some people were uh, have have made fun of me over that. But to me, it, it was obvious enough that the Lightning Network was a scam that. That I didn't bother. I didn't think uh, people would would fall for it. But anyway, uh, the Lightning Network is not based on proof of work, and uh, proof of work is is fundamental to uh, Bitcoin's solution to the Byzantine generals problem. So Bitcoin with small blocks. Uh, uh, plus the Lightning Network is not an improvement upon Bitcoin with small blocks without the Lightning Network, because um, the the Lightning Network is not a genuine solution to the Byzantine General's problem. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because we kind of came to that conclusion just kind of following where the where the uh, the transaction fees were going to come from. So. Yeah, go on. So as more people become onboarded into BTC, they're all just going to keep bumping into each other. And no matter what stuff they build to enhance the Lightning Network, um, it's, never, it's, it's always going to be something that uh, requires more tinkering forever just to get a few more people in. Because it doesn't genuinely solve the Byzantine general's problem. Um, so, so I have a question. I mean, I have a question, but it's um, I don't know if you've if we finished answering or talking about that. But I just if if bigger blocks is a solution to that problem, why doesn't that why why aren't we talking about that as the solution? Why are we talking about what is better? use what what is better currency what is better money because that seems to be the argument that is made for which bitcoin to use but if it's like if 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 the solution is oh this actually solves the problem this solves the byzantine general's problem why aren't we talking about that uh well it's because btc is a scam so um what's really going on is that um some some people, and I don't know exactly who, uh, but what I what I know is that BTC is being turned into an anonymizer. So, in other words, the 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 work that is um, being done to to change BTC from the way Bitcoin was before SegWit is all about enabling transactions to go through with um, information being lost. And the, the Lightning Network is an example of that. Uh, and, but another thing uh, that's going on is uh, Schnorr signatures. So those allow... Uh, a single signature, a single digital signature to um, redeem 
several different outputs uh, that are potentially belong to uh, different people. Mm. So um, when when the transaction appears in uh, in the blockchain, um, uh, you you don't know. Um, you you don't know you don't necessarily know who who is being uh, who's being mixed together mm. by um by that kind of transaction so and do you, and do you have a problem with that because of the white paper and the idea of everything is supposed to be counted and recorded so anybody can go back and look at it well the problem as i see it is that the without an anonymizer, it's stupid to steal bitcoins. But with an anonymizer, then it becomes a good idea to steal bitcoins. So um, uh, that that's that's a problem because it it makes the whole it makes all the money less valuable. And is B, is BTC pushing snore signatures? Is that what the, what the cult is after right now? Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I know I know they're working on that. I don't know exactly what's what's going on with it because I haven't been I haven't been paying that much attention to them recently. And you say that I mean B- BTC is a scam, but um, I don't know. That's not a criticism we hear very often. Um, so you know, to to go back to your to your comment about it being a scam. Stuff evolves. Well, so okay, so here's here's the thing. If if BTC is being turned into an anonymizer, but is it? Is it? Yes. Well, that's what Lightning Network does, and that's what Schnorr does. So it, I mean, those things anonymize transactions. So yeah. If if it is without the the full understanding of everybody who holds BTC. Um, that that means that the nature of BT, BTC is changing without without them being aware of the consequences. So, uh, if your your coin is um, being turned into an anonymizer without your knowledge, then you're you're suddenly going from a coin that's stupid to steal to a coin that is a good idea to steal or at least not as bad of an idea uh, because the records um the, the because it's it's possible to not not leave records that can later be be checked against people's stories you know what i mean right and that would show up as a fatal flaw later well, yeah well that would some i mean that would be something that people wouldn't like if they were holding coins <laughs> that were stupid to steal one day and a good idea to steal the next day. That would actually be that's this that's quite a scam. It seems like the, the those two major things of anonymizing and Lightning Network essentially becoming a banker's tool because somebody has to act as the intermediary and take a cut of that, which is the exact thing that people don't like about banks, intermediary taking a cut. It seems like everything is pushing Bitcoin, BTC, towards a NASDAQ, Wall Street, big bank coin for massive, massive uh, financial, uh, massive wealth transfer, you know, between one person and another, and not everyday use. And it seems like they're specifically picking that and Ripple, and Litecoin, and you know a couple other ones that seem to be pumping really hard right now, um, kind of for that reason, because none of these seem like day-to-day useful currencies. They all seem like things that really wealthy people would appreciate, because if, if you're a billionaire, and I'm a billionaire, and I want to send you $100 million, BTC seems like a really great thing currently because I can send it to you, and if we can make it anonymous, and and then you and I can start acting as our own banks and start taking cuts of everybody who want, can't afford 
on on chain transactions. Or okay. Well, well, first of all, if if you were a billionaire, you would not want a coin that had an anonymizer. You would you would only want to be you would only want to be a billionaire in a coin that's stupid to steal. Um, and so you really don't want the the anonymizer. Um, and but if you're a billionaire, you do want the ability to steal other people's coins because most. Oh well, yes, right. If you no. want to be the thief, then yes. Then you do want an anonymizer, which is pretty much what most big bankers are constantly trying to figure out ways how they can skim more and more money from the middle uh, well, class. Well, I mean, I think that you should be more worried about much worse people than bankers. Not that I don't. I mean, not that I am a fan of bankers, but but I think that um, uh, behind behind the scenes. Uh, there is um, there's very serious uh, crime being hidden. Do you think that? So, do you think Blockstream this is their plan, or do they actually think they're creating a better Bitcoin? Well, that's a good question uh, because I just don't know those people well enough to be able to answer that. But that is interesting. So what I kind of think is that um, Adam Back is like a useful idiot. So uh, I think that he, he uh, uh, has been, um, his, his, his ideology has been used to, uh, to, lure him into being a a puppet essentially I, I think this would be a really great opportunity for you to explain a little bit about your history um, so that way people listening can get a, a better understanding of how you've come to these conclusions because you seem like you've been in the it sounds from the way you're talking you've been in this space for a long time and you've given this a lot of thought and We've mentioned we've mentioned you've you've had a, a you have a YouTube channel, but we haven't really allowed you to dig into your past. Okay, well, yeah. yeah, well, um, so I've been in Bitcoin since 2011, and um, an investor in in Bitcoin or a miner as well. Uh, I have uh, never done uh, mining, uh, unfortunately, but. Uh, I first first got interested in Bitcoin in 2011, and uh, I first heard about it in 2009. But I didn't uh, didn't take it seriously. Were you a computer scientist at that at that point? Uh, no, um, no, I was working on my uh, my physics degree. Later, I got a. Uh, software engineering degree uh i am not i'm not aware of the the full history but at at some point uh some people started to um implement an agenda to change bitcoin into an anonymizer uh which is what's going on now so hold on one second. Can I ask you? So you got into Bitcoin in, in 2011, and then you were just an investor for several years. You you analyzed Bitcoin, and you came up with your own kind of opinions, thoughts on how it works. So I wrote I wrote a bunch of articles uh, on a blog, and and uh, some friends of mine started uh, a website called the Nakamoto Institute, and we archived. Satoshi's um, Bitcoin talk posts to make it easier for people to access. Well, we, we tried to get everything that we could from him. Um, but, well, starting around 2014, at, at least from my perspective, the, the BTC cult started to take over people's minds. 
And I think that's when um, Blockstream originally showed up, somewhere around then. Mm-hmm. And uh, people started to believe seriously that... And and for our, for our listeners, what does Blockstream do? Uh, they're they're a uh, a business as they're they're a startup that's uh, its business model is based on um, providing transactions uh, for for Bitcoin that it doesn't actually need. What 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 do, what do they what what do they say they do? Yeah, can you explain that? Because I don't I don't I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, it's just what we've been talking about earlier, right? How they're—I said that they're a parasite. That's on Bitcoin. That's their, their business model. People started to believe the idea that the block size needs to be kept small. As long as it's small, then there is some kind of need for an additional transaction service, which is what uh, Blockstream is uh, supposed to be providing. So yeah, that that makes sense. It would be in their interest to keep Bitcoin, you know, a, a certain way that allows them to be profitable. Okay. Um. So, so but people started to really believe this idea about small blocks, including the friends of mine, Michael and Pierre. To me, small blocks are like uh, the dumbest thing that I could imagine. Really fast, Michael. Who and Pierre Rochard? Michael Goldstein and Pierre Rochard. Okay. Uh, So I couldn't understand how people could seriously believe this. So I, I didn't take the idea of small blocks very seriously for a while because I thought it was so ridiculous that it couldn't, it couldn't possibly be a thing <laughs> that would really happen. Did you think that uh, it was the purpose uh, all along to increase the block size every couple of years and fork Bitcoin? Yeah. Okay. So, so well, I thought that eventually there wouldn't be a block size, and I didn't think that we needed one. But eventually I realized that my friends, my former friends, in this uh, organization, the Nakamoto Institute, didn't want to listen to anything I had to say, so I left. When did you leave? It's a good question. Are they still publishing? Um, are they still f- finding stuff to publish on that website, or is that website done now? Mm, I mean, I think they're still managing the website, but I don't know. Their Twitter is still active, but the last time they posted was May 10th, it looks like. And then... On May, on April fourteenth, they just kind of retweeted that Pierre uh, wrote a paper. So I I left around the time of the Bitcoin Cash split um, because they wouldn't let me publish my article about it. They wouldn't let you. Okay, all right, that's a problem. <laughs> that's that's very cultish. Yeah, well, I mean, I I would want them to uh, not publish something if uh, if it wasn't any good. But yeah, I think that they only wanted to promote the small block agenda. So you you have mentioned on your YouTube channel several times that uh, forks are actually good for investors because they give more power to the investors that hold both coins because they give access to both chains so there's a lot more decision making power in that okay well uh, no let's talk about that because i have stated that in a way that uh is is very uh misleading so so i should have said something quite different but what was going on at the time uh that um the bitcoin cash split happened was that the um, the the BTC well the, the small the small block group was trying to prevent any opportunity for the big blockers to do anything. So they were saying that uh, if there was a split that would destroy Bitcoin and um, 
nobody would be able to to understand what had happened, and that it's uh, not not allowed to um, go off and try big blocks. Um, and what it is it is always better to be able to negotiate together to stay on one chain. So there should be one Bitcoin economy that is is benefiting everybody in it. So not forking is better than forking. Mm -hmm. But in the case of BTC, what the small blockers wanted was something that would uh, basically kill Bitcoin. So it was uh not uh it was it was off the table well every time you increase the block size you're going to have to fork because there are going to be some people who who don't want to do that anyway right i mean well um but ultimately it's really only uh people with hash power who have a say in the block size and it's their job to figure out what is the optimal block size and someone who doesn't want to increase it, uh, and and who doesn't doesn't correctly determine uh, what the real future of the network actually is, will simply be um, uh, rapidly uh, left behind by the other miners, and will mine a bunch of uh, worthless blocks. So. The miners all need to figure out what they're all thinking and what their capabilities are, because they have to um, they have to design blocks that are big enough to uh, maximize profit, but not too big that the uh, rest of the network can't handle them too too uh, too slowly. Just to jump in, I jumped on Blockstream's website to. Just you know, digging a little bit, and I went on to their Liquid page, which is uh, something that that they're that they they've created, which is kind of like, and it seems like it's a lot like Lightning Network, and they explain what they do, their features, and then when it says they have a whole section that says who benefits, traders and exchanges, <laughs> that's who they list. Mm. Like they're just very open about it. like so traders are, are going to benefit from this and exchanges are benefits are going to benefit from this and at no point do they say people who use Bitcoin, which mm. that's kind of weird that you would be openly say that you openly say that they want to keep pumping the price. Well, the the B, the B, the basis for the BTC scam is to keep pumping the price so that the Bitcoin system can act like a good anonymizer because there will be lots of traders um, to get mixed up in. So at this point now, you know, we've, we've covered the last 10 years. We've gotten to this point. Oh, wait, wait one more thing about forks because yeah. I didn't know about uh, the, the danger of secretly being turned into an anonymizer when I was making those videos because it, it's not good for uh, for anybody, if uh, one of the coins they ha hold is being turned into an anonymizer without their knowledge, so that's something that can happen with forks. That's very dangerous. So, uh, what what was happening um, during the split was was something where a a split was inevitable, and. Uh, it, it is. It's, it was certainly good for the the investors that uh, that that there was uh, one one chain out of two that could actually work. So the problem that uh, the problem that that I had was. I just didn't know who, uh, which which side was really going to learn to be successful at first. Uh, 
because I could see that they were both making mistakes. So what, what they did on Bitcoin Cash was they added replay protection, which means that it, it effectively means that the big blockers have to start over because all of the history of transactions um, uh, up to the, the point of the split, um, uh, are, are, they can no longer be, be built upon without, um, without everybody upgrading their software. Uh, and um, uh, and the, the Bitcoin Cash, so old old transactions in Bitcoin Cash were uh, well the, the transaction format changed, so um, people couldn't use the old format anymore. So that was crazy, uh, and both both sides were acting uh, acting nuts. So. Uh, so I took the position that uh, that agnosticism is appropriate, or or I tried to tell people that you shouldn't invest based on ideology. And I could see that people were were doing that, especially in BTC. I think I think in both definitely. I think there was a lot of ego and personality, and that's what most people saw. Most yeah. yeah um, and what concerned me was people who were being tricked into making investment decisions based on these ideologies. But really, the like if um, you still hear it to this day, the argument. I don't mean to interrupt, but you still hear it to this day that the reason that this this Bitcoin is better than this one is because it makes a better money. And I feel like, and. I feel like we're not actually talking about the real problem. Um, am I wrong? Yeah, well, um, it's, it's about which one can grow sustainably and which one can attract in all economic activity. On this show, we actually don't think Bitcoin makes very good money because it's something that increases in value because it's got a hard limit to it, or it does right now, it's, that's, there's no incentive to spend it. So it's not a very, there's no economics behind it, really. There's, there is always, there are always differences in your time horizon. So there are always things that you need more now that are better than some kind of future benefit. So I, I would say that a, a fixed supply money encourages people to save, uh, um, to be uh, right. frugal, so it does not in- encourage them encourage them not to spend. It encourages them to be uh, to be reasonable about what they consume, which is the antithesis of a successful capitalist society. Well, I don't I don't think that that's true at all because uh, there's um, uh, wealth is not just is not based on. I mean, people's people's ability to consume and what is frugal for them is a function of the rest of the economy. So you could have a future economy where everyone has a lot of savings and they spend a tiny fraction of the, the money that they earn, but they also live in a futuristic utopia and the amount that they're spending is enough to. That's very different than the system that we have now, yeah. obviously. But I mean, the one that incentivizes spending. Anyway, my my point is that we're that the the common argument is that 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 one one coin is better you better better serves the world better as money when it's actually, I don't know, like. I mean, I've already said it. I feel like that's uh, that's that's an that's an old. I mean, we already know that that doesn't seem to be a good use for Bitcoin. Okay, so Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash are acting crazy, and then comes along Craig Wright and says, "Hold my beer, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Bitcoin SV." Well, we had the same problem in Bitcoin Cash as we had in BTC eventually, because we had uh, we had a bunch of developers who. 
who started acting like philosopher kings, and they thought they could say what the network was going to be, and they started uh, creating uh, propaganda to get everybody to go along with them. And uh, they would um, try to say that Craig Wright didn't know what he was talking about. Um, and then there was a there was another split, and uh, it was a it, it was a similar similar scam to, or well, I, I don't know as much as what was what was going on in uh, the the BCH camp, but. Um, uh, it, it, it was like a, a replay of the same problem because suddenly everybody started um, started acting like there were enemies everywhere and like they wanted to uh, beat off ideas that they didn't like. And um, so we had to have another split. So the the BSV ticker symbol... Is is simply the the continuation of Bitcoin's history from the Genesis block, and uh, it's the version that best preserves the original idea of Bitcoin and the way it was uh, originally intended to work. And as time goes on, uh, we're going to bring it bring it closer to what what the original form was intended to be and um bsv is the only uh coin that is not a socialist economy in the crypto space and what 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 capitalism enables is um all creativity is synergistic so anybody can um, can make Bitcoin more valuable, and uh, they they can look for their own ideas on how to make Bitcoin more valuable, and they can look at how to connect their ideas to whatever is available around them, and if everybody does that, there's growth from every point in the, in the BSV economy. So that's what's happening now. Going back to Craig Wright, because he's an interesting character, do you think he is doing a great job of what he's doing right now? What's And do you actually yes. believe that he is successfully hypnotizing people? <laughs> I mean, is that what he's doing? Well, I, I, think, I think that he is a... Uh, the, the most prominent person in BSV, but I think that there there are many uh, there are many hypnotists in BSV who are most people think he. People. I mean, most it's 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 hard to listen to him and not think he sounds like a fool. I think for most people, right? Um, and maybe that's because people don't know what he's talking about because he does seem to say things that really make no sense. Yeah. So Craig has a a way of. Yeah, he well, he has a way of communicating that's similar to what I do on my show. It, that deliberately rejects people who aren't uh, aren't thinking enough. Why would you want to do that if you are just trying to? The I don't don't necessarily understand. I understand the purpose of that if you're trying to make a community that is very selective. But I don't understand the point of doing that to create a community that just grows. The reason is that Bitcoin adoption proceeds in stages. So uh, the highest IQ people get in first and they create things that turn Bitcoin into something that can be understood by the, the next level of IQ. So right, right now, there's a huge crowd of people in crypto who are all deceived by crazy ideas, and we don't want any of those guys. So, uh, what, what what happens? What happens if those guys come along? 
well, they'll, they'll just be annoying. But if they figure out, if they figure out what's going on, then, you know, I, I welcome them in. It's, it's simply, it's simply a barrier of entry. It's, it's an amount, it's an amount of thinking that you have to do to realize what's really happening. You have to have some idea, some ability to independently assess information in order to understand what's good about BSV. That that's the idea of performing the intelligence test. So if they if they understand what you're saying, then they pass your intelligence test. Um, yeah. So the the idea is to say something that sounds like nonsense below a certain IQ. But the purpose of that is to attract the intelligent people to BSV because you don't want it to grow too quickly. You don't want a bunch of annoying people using it, is what you're saying. Well, what what's going to happen is, remember what I said about everybody everybody's creativity being synergistic. So... What what we need, what we need to make Bitcoin valuable, is that's your definition of capitalism, right? No, there. that's just something that happens under capitalism. Okay, but, um, uh, but what we we need people who actually understand how to do that. So people who are who are genuinely independent minded, and who want to come up with original ideas to make Bitcoin more valuable. So do you think that people who are computer programmers and most of them have never, most of them don't have a degree in economics or have studied monetary systems extensively, do you think those are the best people to create a currency for the masses? Uh, no. Um... No, and I think that the the new money has already has has already been created. So we don't need uh, computer programmers to reimagine the Bitcoin protocol. All we really needed was programmers to make the software work better and become more uh, more more optimized. Um, but in, instead, in BTC and B, uh, BCH, we had developers who started acting like uh, philosopher kings, like from, from Plato. Did you go on the record saying whether you believe Craig Wright is Satoshi or not? And for the answer to that question, please tune in to the next episode coming out soon. 